You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Amen. It's good to be here with you this morning. Everybody having a good morning? I'll let you know what that's about in a little bit. Hey, listen, it is such a great joy to be able to come and to share again. I just consider it an honor and a privilege just to be able and to continue in our series called Read the Red, just reading the red words of Jesus. And our, our transformational thought is this, change happens daily, it doesn't happen just in a day. And that really is the truth. Whenever we wanna make changes in our life, it's the small things that we begin to do that end up making big things happen in our life. You know, we live in a world that celebrates big. We live in a world that celebrates the best. And a lot of times that's what we're focused on. This morning, uh, my sermon I wanna share with you is God likes little. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 to look at that. But as we begin to look at uh, dealing with this whole thing about being big or celebrating big, one of the challenges that we have is that we live in a culture that constantly compares itself with each other. You know, well, back in the day before we had social media, uh, we would call it keeping up with the Joneses, right? And some of y'all don't know what that term means, but for some of us that are older, it's like what your neighbor had or maybe what your school friends had or whatever. But now we live in a culture to where we can compare ourselves with the entire world, right? And that's what Instagram is or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. There's this constant comparison that goes on. And I can remember a number of years ago, I was in a home Bible study uh, with a friend of mine named Michael Ratliff, and uh, he was given a word of encouragement, a prophetic word over my life, and he spoke this word to me, and I really think it would be helpful. It was extremely helpful to me, and he said this, that the root uh, inferiority is the root of comparison. Our comparison leads us to feel inferior about ourselves. The root to inferiority is comparison. And so if I'm constantly comparing myself to someone, I'm not going to feel I really have value or have worth in my life. The scripture teaches to us over and over again that God uses little things. One of those little things, we could spend the whole morning just talking about that of examples both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it said this, or Jesus said this, because of the littleness of your faith, I truly say to you that if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move because nothing is impossible to you. Hear those words. Nothing is impossible to you. So most of us don't know what a mustard seed looks like, do you? You know, it's a really, really small, small seed. If you took a pencil, a very sharp pencil, and you put a dot on a piece of paper with that, that's what the size of a mustard seed is. So it doesn't require much. It does require some, but he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will be able to do great things. You can move mountains in your life. Another verse of scripture that I loved uh, sharing is in Zechariah 4.10, and it says this, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. 
you know, again, the big idea that I want to share with you this morning is God uses little things. And we're going to look at that in our study that we look at uh, in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Uh, and it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I'm going to share with you five different things of what Jesus did uh, in this passage. Now, there's not a lot of read the red in that. There's only only three different sentences that he has, but I think they're significant in that it does teach us some good principles of, again, going back to the big idea that God uses little things. John chapter 6, verse 1 begins reading like this. It says, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. He was healing the sick. Then his disciples went up on a mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. He says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing the large crowd that was coming to him, he said, Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? The first thing that I want to point out that we see about Jesus here is that Jesus was a man of compassion. I thought about that a couple of weeks ago, that compassion, it means to be moved in our inner being so much that it produces an action. So compassion is action. And what it means is we get to be the incarnation of Christ to hurting humanity. And Jesus was exhibiting that now in that he looked at the people and he said, listen, they're going to be hungry. And I'll, the first point I want to make here is that Jesus cares about our everyday needs. Jesus cares about our everyday needs. And he is still the same today as he was back then. He knows the pain. He knows the struggles that we face. He understands, and he's never too busy, and he's never too distant to care. So that's the first thing that we see about Jesus, that he was a man of compassion. The next thing that we see beginning in verse 6 is this is that Jesus looked to his disciples to take care of the people. I love this. He is actually creating a scenario where he is going to challenge his disciples to feed this vast number of people. Verse 6 says, he was saying this to test them, to test the disciples. For he himself, he knew what he was intending to do. You know, there's many times in our journey uh, as we grow in God, as we grow in our faith, that we're going to be tested. And that's actually the process in which God begins to build us to make us stronger. It's no different like if you're uh, learning or you want to run a marathon, what are you going to do? You're going to run. You're going to push your body so that you can build up endurance. If you want to get stronger, you're going to lift weights, which is going to tear down muscle tissue, which is going to grow back stronger. And, and so it's so important that we realize just as he was testing the disciples, likewise, he's going to test us so that we can grow in our faith. And it's so important that we look at that. You know, uh, today we enjoy this beautiful building. Uh, we enjoy uh, a wonderful band. We have great children's ministry. But I want you to know this didn't just happen. This started over 10 years ago with 100 people when Doug and Jenny felt like the Lord was calling them to come and do an inner city church. 
And there's nothing easy about what they did. It was hard, the tearing up, the setting down, trying to take care of children. And yet today we have 13 to 1400 people that will come to church here. But it was because they began, they started, they were faithful with a little thing and God continued to add. But it was something that tested them, right? It's true. If you don't believe me, it is. You can talk to Doug and Jenny. I promise you. We we get to enjoy all the benefits of it now, but it was difficult back then as it always is as we continue to grow in our faith. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 14 is a great scripture. It says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, it didn't say if. It said when. Not if, but when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you will be made perfect and complete and you will lack nothing. Isn't that good? We're going to have tests, but when we respond in joy, God says when you embrace the test, He's going to lead you through it. In verse 7, it says, Philip answered him, and he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for even if everyone just had a little bit. So Philip is one of those people. There's Philip, uh, and we'll see his friend here in just a minute, but Philip was kind of one of the most unknown of the disciples. Have you all ever really know a lot about Philip? There really wasn't a lot said about Philip. Only in the Gospel of John do we see him mentioned. But most believe, as I looked at some character studies about Philip this week, uh, he was one that was really, though he was the first to follow after Jesus, he was really more of the practical person. He was the one that would have immediately begun to calculate, okay, We have 5,000 people here. How much money do we have? Can we do this? He would have begun to look at that. Some of you are that kind of person. Is that you're going to immediately, when you're faced with a challenge, you're going to put together a plan. You're going to to calculate your resources and see if you're going to be able to do what is set before you to do. He said 200 denarii would not be sufficient enough. Now, I looked at how much a denarii is worth. You know, I know other currencies, but I don't, didn't, I, I don't, never had a denarii. I don't know what that means. But what it said in, in, in the commentaries is this, is one denarius would feed maybe 10 people for a day. So if they had 200, that means that they could have maybe fed 2,000. Now, we're talking about 5,000 people that are here, and so it was a task that was humanly impossible because of money, but then also it would be impossible because guess what? They didn't have H-E-B. They had no food that would be readily available if they wanted to have a big cookout. They couldn't have done it because they cooked and prepared everything on a daily basis. And so it really was an impossible thing to do. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says this, some more words of Jesus. And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all Things are possible. Do you hear what God's speaking to us this morning? It doesn't matter what we are facing, what you're facing in your life. God is there, and with God, all things are possible. 
all things are possible. And I love what it says there. Now, the third point that I want to make as we look in verses 8 through 9 is this, is that Jesus receives a little boy's lunch. There was a little boy that was kind of hanging around. He had to be close enough to the disciples and to Jesus. And as they're beginning to see how they're going to be able to do this thing that he is tasking them to do, that he hears of this little boy, Andrew, one of the other disciples, says, hey, listen, there's a little boy. He has a little lunch, and he's willing to give it. Now, there's two miracles that are about to take place here. The first miracle was there was a little boy that late in the day, he still had a little lunch. How many of y'all ever made a lunch for your kid? And they come home and said, Dad, your mom, I'm so hungry. Well, I fixed you a lunch. But if they are not regulated by time, whether it's at school or whatever it is, they usually eat that lunch by about 9 o'clock in the morning, right? Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? My kids did. I mean, it's all gone. They're already hungry. So, But there was a little boy that had a little lunch. And he was willing to offer it to Jesus. And what I love about this picture is that he was willing to give, no matter what it was, how little it may be, he was willing to give it to him, and God was able to bless it. So verse 8 says, one of the disciples said, Andrew said to Simon Peter, there's a, bat. There's a boy that has a, li- uh, a little lunch. He has five barley loaves, and he has two fish. But he says in verse 9, but these are not enough for everyone that's here. Now, it's interesting when you look at a barley loaf. A barley loaf was known as a poor man's bread. That's what it literally was known as. So it was like the ramen noodles of this day and time, right? Anybody ever survive off ramen noodles? I mean, I did in college. I could get them five for a dollar, you know, and uh, I could make a meal. Give me a loaf of bread and ramen noodles, a lot of starches, but, you know, I could make it happen. So that's really what all he was offering. So even what he offered wasn't something that was, it wasn't 12 grain bread. It was just like a poor man's bread, but he was willing to offer it to him. Again, the big idea that I want to share is God uses little things. Now, Andrew is another interesting person to look at, another one of the disciples, good friends of Philip. We don't know a lot about him. He was significant. Uh, He was with all the disciples when the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 1. But throughout his life, Andrew from Scripture, it says that Andrew was a man that many of us can identify with. He expressed doubt at many times. He didn't always understand or comprehend the Lord's teaching, and occasionally he lacked faith. But the one thing we know about Andrew is that he persisted. He never quit. He never quit. So it's an important thing to see here. Jesus took what was little. It was offered by the little boy. Andrew gave it to Jesus, and then Jesus begin to do the next thing as we look at Jesus fed those people that were seated. He blessed it. It was, it, was, it, it was supernaturally multiplied, and it was taken care of. Now, this next point is one of the most significant points, I think, of my talk this morning. And in verse 10, it's one of those things you would kind of look over, but it's so important that Jesus fed those who were seated. Verse 10 says, And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. 
and there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Now, I want you to know, they actually didn't count women and children. So this is 5,000 men. So it could be anywhere from 7,500, maybe 10,000 people, we don't know. But Jesus told them, have everyone sit down. And you may read over that and say, that's no big deal, but it really is a big deal. There's two things that when I thought about that, about what Jesus wanted to do. One was that Jesus wanted them to take a posture of rest in order for them to receive their provision. How many of you, when you've come to times in your life when there's been a challenge, maybe you lost your job, or maybe there's a medical situation or a family emergency, Whatever it is, and you begin to strive. You begin to, okay, I'll take care of this, particularly as a man. We're going to make it happen, right, guys? And yet, there's a posture that when we are in a time of need and we need God's provision, whether it's a physical thing, financial thing, emotional thing, but Jesus wanted the people to take a posture of rest, Rest doesn't mean that you don't do anything, but it does mean that you take a posture that you're not going to get stressed out. You're not going to begin to over excessively worry, but you're going to stay in the place of rest. It's also what we do when we pray. What do we do? Many times people come down here in the front and, and they bow, and it's, it's a posture of humbling yourself to God, bowing to God, saying, God, I need you in my life. The second thing that we see here is by their obedience to the word of Jesus to seat, be seated, they received. You get that? I guarantee you there were some men, maybe they were like Philip, they were calculating everything, they're looking around and going, dude, there's 5,000 people here. Jesus said he's going to feed us all? I guarantee you there were some folks that didn't that did not be seated, were not seated. And they stood because they didn't obey the words of Jesus, which is to be seated. So we see there, first of all, to be seated meant they took a posture of rest, trusting for God for the provision. And then they heard the word of Jesus. They heard the word of Jesus and they did what he said. It's kind of like this. The first person that comes up here, you can have this $5 bill. Why did he come? He actually believed me. Most of you didn't come because you didn't believe me or maybe you're a little bit too proud or maybe you just got an extra $5 in your pocket already and you don't need an extra five. But it was just a simple illustration is that the word of God is full of so many promises, but we don't act on them. And so he got $5 because he believed what I said. He saw the provision and he received it. And that's what it is. They have to take the posture of receiving from Jesus, resting in his provision, willing to be obedient to that. The last thing that we see here is that Jesus fed the people and there was more than enough. I love this. And when they, feel, when, when they were filled, so everybody, this was an all-you-could-eat barley loaf and fish 
feast here, okay? And he said to his disciples, now I want you to go gather up all that's left over. And verse 13 says there was 12 baskets full of fragments of the five barley loaves that were left over. I guess all the fish was gone. Somebody asked me earlier, was it a fish fry or was it sushi? I don't know. But it was one of those two. All the fish was gone, but they picked up all this leftover loaves of bread that were there. And truly they said, this is a prophet who has come into the world. I just want to close with a couple stories and then just a couple scriptures. Uh, one of the great privileges that we have, uh, my wife Susie and I have a local ministry here called Blood and Fire Ministries. We're almost 20 years old. We are changing our name to Somebody Cares San Antonio and because everybody thinks we're either a biker gang or a terrorist group. We don't know. Uh, but it's just the blood of Jesus and the fire of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that we do is we get to go do disaster relief. The first time we ever responded to disaster relief uh, was when we went down to Katrina first. But then right after Katrina, there was another hurricane that came right after that. Y'all remember? It was called Rita. Rita hit the Beaumont area, Port Natchez, Bridge City, and uh, Port Arthur and all that. So we actually went over there to go cook and to serve. And so we have a cook team called Holy Smoke Disaster Relief Team. We cook all the time with our big barbecue pits. And we go in and we begin to feed people. And so we went into Bridge City. It was on a Sunday afternoon. And when we went in there, uh, we came in with our barbecue pit, we came in with wood, and we had a big trailer full of just paper products. We had nothing to cook. So we get there, it's about an hour before dark, and as we're there, um, Robert, this guy that was traveling with me and working with me at that time, he says, what are we going to do? And I said, well, let's start the fire. He goes, why? We have nothing to cook. I said, Robert, I don't care. Start the fire. And so we cranked up the pit, took a little time. We got the fire going, and there really is a really great smell. Anybody barbecue guys? I mean, you can smell it. It makes you hungry. Just I wish I could have an aroma of barbecue come through the house right now. But we begin to cook, though we didn't have anything to cook. We got the fire going. And what began to happen as people begin to smell the smoke, they be, it's totally blacked out. There's no power for miles around. People begin to empty their freezers and to bring food, and we begin to cook. We cooked every type of meat you could cook. You know, if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. I think we did cook vegetables at some point, but it was mostly meat. And when we cooked that night, we fed 500 people. Just because we started. And you see, it's just because we started with what we have. So many times we have to have everything all together. Got to have all the money. Got to have the complete business plan. And there's nothing wrong with wanting resources and wanting to have a business plan. Those are great things. But if so many people allow what they don't have to keep them from starting what they could have. But it was just one of those things we just discovered that when we start the fire. It's the same thing when the first time we did grocery distribution, uh, which we've done for 20 years. It'll be, it's the second Saturday of every month in our community, predominantly with our elderly people in the inner city. And I remember the first time we did it, everybody, part of our core team, the small little team of people, I said, just everybody just go buy as much groceries as you can afford. And so we brought it all in. And I remember we had just a little table, and we passed out flyers in the community that were giving away groceries. And I remember someone saying, so uh, how do you know that we have enough? And my, question, or my answer to that question has been and still is, 
what we have is enough. It's always been enough. I don't care if it's groceries. I don't care if it's feeding people. There's always enough. It's our responsibility to set the table. It's God's responsibility to bring the provision. There was a time when Susie and I were in transition uh, in our life, and we had left really more of big denominational life, and we felt the Lord leading us to really um, a different expression of walking with God. And I, I quit my full-time, really good job, staff job at a church in, in Austin, and we moved here. And I can remember, I was thinking it was going to be like a really easy transition, and it ended up being a little bit more difficult than what I thought. Anybody ever done that with job changes? You say, well, man, I'm going to go for this. And it gets hard sometimes. I wish it was always easy, but it wasn't easy for us. And I remember uh, telling the Lord, Lord, I'll do anything I need to provide for our family. Jordan was about 16 months old. Uh, Susie was pregnant with Ashley uh, at that time. Uh, we had a, I can't remember what year it was, like a 1982 custom deluxe Chevy pickup with one bench. There wasn't no king cab into it. So we had a child seat in the middle and Susie was pregnant with another, with our other child, Ashley. And I can remember uh, one day after church, <clears throat> my son Jordan wanted a, Wendy's used to sell cookies. Anybody remember that? They did. They were packaged cookies. And my son Jordan wanted a cookie and I wanted to buy him that cookie as any father would. And I remember going out into that old Chevy pickup truck and digging out pennies out of the ashtray. And I pulled together 47 cents to buy my son a cookie. And it was one of the most difficult times in my life because uh, as I was doing whatever work I could do, I said, Lord, I'll do anything but paint houses. Guess what? The only kind of work I could get was paint houses. And, and I've actually become pretty good at it. It's the only thing that I can say that I am when it comes to construction. I think that I'm pretty good at, but that's what I could get. But I remember just being so down and depressed because I didn't feel like I was doing what God called me to do. And I can remember the next morning I was at a diamond shamrock station. It wasn't Valero yet. It's what it used to be called. Y'all remember that? Some of us, yeah, we know that. And we had one credit card and it was a diamond shamrock credit card. And I was going to put like $10 worth of gas just to get me to and from work. And I really was in a, a state of depression because I didn't understand what was going on. I was being obedient to what I felt like God called me to do. It wasn't like I didn't have an education. I couldn't go get another job because I could. And, and yet it, I was trying to be obedient to what God called me to do. And I remember walking to go in and to pay for the gas in the store I, then I just remembered we didn't have pay at the pump. That's how long ago this was, guys. You could not swipe your card. I had to go in, say, here, I'm going to put that. And I remember walking into that place, and I looked down, and I saw a penny. Probably two days before, I would have walked right past it like most of us do, right? But I reached down, and I picked up that penny. And all I can say is when I picked up that penny... This phrase came in my heart. I'm not saying I heard it, but this phrase came in my heart. And the Lord spoke this to me, and he says, Mark, as long as you'll be humble enough to reach down and pick up a penny, I will always provide for you. And I want you to know, in that one simple word, it changed my life. 
Anybody ever had that? When it's just like you're grappling, trying to understand. Maybe you're in a time of transition. You're not really knowing what's going on, but you're trying to grow in your faith. You're trying to be, do and be everything that God calls you to do. And it seems like everything is contrary, right? Anybody ever been there? It seems like the very thing that you're going for is running from you. And I can remember, again, picking up that penny and God speaking that to me, that as long as you're humble enough to pick up a penny, I will always provide for you. And it changed my attitude about even the work that I was doing. And I just said, Lord, just as it says in the New Testament, that everything that we do, we are to do it as unto the Lord. Even the job that you don't like right now, you're not doing it for your boss. You're doing it as unto the Lord. So maybe it gives you a little bit of grace to get through some difficult work situations, some difficult school situations. But God showed me in the littleness of a penny, it even costs more to make a penny than what it's worth today. But God has been faithful to that promise from this day forth, from the beginning of a ministry where we didn't know where it was going to come from to go into different places in the world with disaster relief, dealing with human trafficking in Southeast Asia, all the different things so many times we don't know, even know how we're going to do it. But you know what? God has always been faithful. But it didn't just happen. It happened because I was faithful in a small thing. And God says, you know what? I can give you more. Because that's what happens when we're faithful with a small thing. A couple of scriptures that I want to conclude with is in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. I want you to listen to this. For consider your calling that there are not many wise according to the flesh. There's not many mighty. There's not many noble. But God has chosen. He has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. Every one of us are qualified. When you feel weak, when you feel ignorant, you're not smart enough, when you're not popular enough, you're not noble, God says, you know what, it doesn't matter because I can take little things and do great things in the kingdom of God. Luke 16 verse 10 says this he who is faithful in a very small thing is faithful also in much but he who is unrighteous or unfaithful in a very little thing he's unrighteous also in much see when we are faithful in the small thing God says you know what I can trust you I can put more influence on your life I can put more resources in your hand because you see that the reason why that I have blessed you is because, not because of what I have done, though I participate with God, I'm working, I'm doing everything I can do to be uh, what God called me to do, but it's God's favor. It's God's blessing on my life that he is able to do these things. This morning as we close, you may have come here and you may be feeling you're so insignificant and little. You may be thinking that, man, I could leave this earth and nobody would even know. You may have even contemplated about taking your life because that's what the enemy comes. He comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I want you to know God 
likes little. No matter how little you may feel, that he is here this morning, just as he looked at the people and he wanted to take care of their physical needs, he wants to take care of every need that is in our life. Amen? And so I want to encourage you that if you feel any part of your heart is like beating a thousand miles an hour right now, and, and, and you're feeling the Holy Spirit saying that, hey, I want to comfort you, and I want to help you get through this time, I want you to know that he really is here. We're going to have a prayer team that will be down here in just a moment uh, as we conclude our service. And if you want to come and just come into agreement and have someone pray with you, that's what our team is all about. We don't have all the answers. We're not perfect. But what we do know is we do serve a God that does have the answers, and he is perfect, and that he can minister to you. And so if that is you, I want to encourage you just to come. As we conclude our service in just a moment, the, our prayer leaders will be down here, and they would love to pray with you. You also may have come with a friend or a family member, and this may be your first time you've ever been in church, or maybe you're as what we call a spiritual investigator. You're not really uh, knowing about all this thing about God. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Scripture says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I want you to know that today you can receive Christ into your life. And so I want us to bow our heads just for a moment. And if you would like to do that this morning, I want to encourage you just to pray these words with me. And again, the scripture says that with our mouth we ask, with our heart we believe. And in a moment, just like many of us have done, We've asked Christ to come into our life and begin this journey of us finding our purpose in life. So, Father, I just come right now and I bless my friends here. And if you want to ask Christ to come into your life, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit to you that I've done many wrong things. And, Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and that he can bring salvation into my life. So I received the gift of salvation, and I thank you, Father, for that, and I speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. And, Father, I just pray over all of us as we conclude this morning. Father, I pray that, Lord, that there would be a spirit of encouragement and a spirit of faith that would be released over all our hearts. Father, I think that we embrace, Father, maybe the test of faith that we're in. And, Father, we receive fresh faith to continue on in the journey with that. And, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for that. We speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.